This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. Not all businesses are created equal. One of the reasons that we've seen such a spike in the popularity of the subscription model in SaaS publishing and iPhone apps, for example, is because of the multifaceted benefits of recurring revenue. So in today's episode, I'm taking a little something from John Borlow's book, Built to Sell, and kind of adding my, my additions to it. And so what I'm going to be talking about today is the six most valuable types of business models to build your machine around. Now for each model, I'll share how and why it works. I'll offer a few examples and I will explain what kinds of businesses would be best suited to adopt each. And so we'll jump right into it. Number six is what I'm calling disposables. And in the book, John calls this category consumables. Basically, this is anything that somebody buys, uses, and then throws away. For these products, and rarely would a service company fall into this category, minus the cell phone repair booth at the mall, for example, or some other cheap one and done exchange, there's really not much ongoing utility beyond the few weeks or the few months that people are using the thing. So toothbrushes, paper towels, gutter cleaning gloves, <laughs> those types of things, very low risk, very low investment. Now these companies or these brands, they live and die by mindshare because their products are mostly commoditized. And so without mass market awareness, they're skating on thin ice. You can have potentially massive margins with this business model, and you can move decent volume since you should be able to get your cost of production next to nothing with time. But if you want to succeed, you really need a ton of customers buying a little bit at a time but returning fairly frequently. The inherent challenge that you'll face with disposables is basically getting lots of one and done customers to come back and to return. Some examples of brands that might fall into this category are Colgate, Mr. Clean, Campbell's, and P&G's line of brands. This model works especially well for fully scaled enterprises whose cost of goods is already minimal. It works for drop shippers, and it works for new product companies who just want to build some steam in a new niche market. Okay, number five. This is what I call ongoing utility. This model works when you have a poor product that requires a somewhat small investment, but which lends itself to repeat use. Then, you try to use the leverage of having sold the main thing to encourage purchases of related products that are needed to get the best results from your primary SKU. To put it simply, you sell one thing, then you sell complementary items, refills, or needed accessories after the customer has invested, which makes it hard to leave or hard to start over. Examples of this would be the $29 five gallon water container that I bought from my local natural grocers. I have to go back there every time to fill up with the type of water that I want a $139 printer that requires toners, cartridges, and paper. I'm just giving you a random example. A dental visit that results in three cavities needing to be filled, so you have to come back and fulfill again and again. This is a better business model than disposables because the bait is more enticing and useful, and there's some aspect of ongoing value. You're not hanging in the breeze after one or two sales. Some other examples, Schwinn, a bicycle brand, Britta, which sells water filters, and Kodak, for example. This model works especially well for anyone with more than one product line, especially when your products require, complement, or enhance one another. Cool. 
Moving on to number four, what I'm calling pay-as-you-go subscriptions. Pay-as-you-go subscription companies are great to own, but they're difficult to scale because the value isn't consumed in a single unit or transaction. You have to provide it over and over. So the best kind of subscription company to own is one with zero cost of replication, meaning there's no incremental cost associated with adding a new user, instance, or license. Conversely, the hardest subscription companies to operate would be those that require lots of manpower to turn over a fresh product month, month over month. So a magazine, for example. With these, you need to get to critical mass as soon as possible in terms of profitability. Let's look at an example. 10 monthly subscribers paying $7 a month to a magazine that costs, I don't know, $500 to produce is awfully tough to sustain until you reach well over 70 subscribers. But if you can get costs down and grow a paying user base quickly, you can take off. Any pay-as-you-go subscription service has the burden of needing to provide an excellent deliverable every period since the continuity of their brand depends on retaining customers. In this case, the constraint isn't necessarily your quantity of customers. It's the ability to maintain quality and consistency over time. For that reason, you have to generate massive customer surplus by aiming to deliver a 10x return on your customer's investment. Done right, the benefits here include predictable recurring revenue, strong brand affinity, and the ability to scale quickly after your inflection point. Examples of brands that would fall into this pool might include Dollar Shave Club and Bumble Premium. For example, you have to buy it for one month and then it's time to renew, right? In general, this model works well for brands whose products have a shelf life, are either templated or replicable, and that are conducive to repeat use in new versions. So if you have a relatively low threshold or repeatable offer, it might make sense to turn it into a subscription. And in so doing, you want to ultimately shoot for the next highest value model on this ladder, number three, which I'm going to talk about right now auto subscriptions in perpetuity. Auto subscription companies keep customers on board until they cancel their membership. So renewals are automatic. This is just a slight difference from the last model that I was discussing, right? They're both subscription companies. The only difference here is that you're automatically keeping your customers on the hamster wheel until or unless they opt out. So these companies are slightly more valuable for that reason than memberships that require action on the part of the consumer to continue receiving the product. Subscriptions auto-renew and consumers sign up for that at the outset so you can just keep charging them without asking them. I'm a fan of auto-subscription businesses because if you can get your cost of acquisition down, your owned asset gets stronger and stronger. It starts working for you and it's almost a set it and forget it. Almost. Now, I say that because you can't just sit idly without innovating on R&D and expect that your opted-in members are, are just going to stay if you create the same quality or the same service over and over again. Because part of what makes subscription brands worthy of consumers' choice to remain invested is that they must always be improving. You have to make continuous incremental improvements to your experience if you want to keep churn low. As long as you do that, retention rate becomes a function of product quality times time. That accounted for, loyalty should be very high for businesses with auto renewal at their core compared to those who have to remind or notify customers of due payment. You can increase customer lifetime value with these models by creating add-on products and ascending your customers in their loyalty status with you. 
Examples of brands that would fall into this arena might include Progressive, Calendly Pro, or AAA, for example. All three of which I use, by the way. In general, this works well for any subscription brand who isn't already transitioned to auto. So if you are a subscription brand, but you require customer's approval or uh, consent to charge their credit card on a monthly basis, look at how you can move up the rung to auto, uh, to auto billing as quickly and as uh, easily as possible. Number two, upfront access fee, then subscription. With these models, you pay for a seat at the table and then you pay a recurring cost to continue to get value. Renting an apartment is one example. In my current apartment, I had to pay an upfront deposit plus first, first month's rent, then a bunch of processing fees just to get in the door. After that, monthly rent is a fixed cost, right? These businesses generally enjoy the luxury of excess demand on the consumer side so they can afford to operate by an it is what it is mentality. This is the first point in our ascending ladder of business model value that price becomes relatively negligible. These companies know you need what they have. With these businesses, the most important things are fulfillment, high service levels like response time to inquiries, and access to information or experiences. This model is really good for cash flow too. The upfront fee that you collect will help you stay cash flow positive to cover cost of fulfillment and then to fuel further growth. Some examples of companies that would fall into this specific model might be McDonald's, where the franchisee pays a down payment for land and then monthly franchising fees. How about Apple? You buy an iPhone and then you have to pay for storage and apps. Maybe a high ticket coaching program where you pay a down payment or a one-time fee and then you pay off the, uh, the price of the program over the course of weeks or months. This works really well for luxury or established brands who sell an always in demand product. So if you're gaining mind share and market share quickly and you're really scaling fast, there's a lot of demand in your space or a growing demand for your particular product, look at ways that you can move into this type of a model where maybe you're charging the upfront fee just for access and then an ongoing uh, cost in order to remain subscribed. And then the single most valuable business model in 2023, number one is multi-year locked in. In the book, Build to Sell, Warlow refers, refers to this model as contracts. What it means is basically locking customers into binding agreements, such as multi-year <laughs> contracts. Now with this model, not only does the business get predictable recurring revenue, but the degree of confidence that owners have in getting paid is high since customers are legally required to make payments. Many, but not all of these businesses sell really high involvement pretty high ticket products, which generally attracts affluent buyers with disposable cash. These companies usually have very enticing front end offers, but just mediocre customer service because they don't have to, right? They, they've already got you in the door. Their value is front loaded. There's no reason really for them to overinvest in providing a great customer experience or great customer service once they have you. So they're making the most money from you when you join, when you invest or when you initially buy. To scale these kinds of brands, step one is to focus on getting your cost of fulfillment down and figuring out how to replicate service at no incremental cost so that basically everything becomes margin. Then you wanna build brand equity and gain mindshare so that you can charge premiums on brand. Examples of companies in this sphere would include Verizon, they get you into cell phone service contracts, Club Wyndham or any timeshare, and then of course, big banks who issue loan products and credit cards. 
This works well for service companies or luxury brands who offer products that people really want or need. And that's it guys. So to wrap up, these models represent the six most valuable in 2023. Almost any business can succeed with almost any model. And I really want to, I wanted to add that in. If you do it strategically and if you execute correctly and you have a vision, all of these should be viewed as totally customizable. Regardless of which model you have, a few things that you want to be thinking about across the board include vastly over delivering at every touch point. That's a non-negotiable in 2023, building in recurring revenue streams and collecting cash upfront and creating mechanisms for referrals, word of mouth, and social sharing. You should always be thinking about ways to increase value to customers, which will directly correlate with value of your business by choosing the right model to start with or to shift to, you can dramatically boost your market share, your mind share, and the bottom line. Hey guys, that's it for this episode. Please be sure to rate, review, comment, and share. Everything helps. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things and hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you and that's it. I will see you in the next episode.